So as the choir comes back out into the congregation, right? And one of the reasons we do that is not just to make it convenient to sit with family. Every time, it's a theological statement. The people of God minister, the people of God serve, but the people of God are all still the people of God together. So it's my privilege to step into this place, but just like you, one of the people of God, wanting to submit my life to God, wanting to be obedient, hoping that today will be a blessing as we turn ourselves to the attention of God's Word, which I… just trust today that you are here knowing that God wants to speak. And it has been my experience that if we want to listen, God is more than ready to deliver a message. So that's my prayer for you. And today, if, if you're not a regular here, a little explanation for where we are, today we're coming to the closing message of what we have called our Discipleship Paths series. And we have used that PATHS word, P-A-T-H-S, uh, to function as an acrostic and have used each letter to talk about part of what it means to be a disciple in the 21st century. So this is fall 2019's attempt to grasp just a little bit better what it means for us to be Christ followers today, what it means to be disciples of Jesus. And so that last letter, the final letter, S, the final discipleship pathway we're going to study today, that S stands for the sacrifices of a disciple, the sacrifices of a disciple. See, this is one of the great mysteries of the gospel, isn't it? That salvation is free. In fact, the Bible says it is impossible for us to earn, to purchase or to deserve salvation, for us to somehow merit what we just celebrated with the Lord's Supper. The Bible says actually that this salvation is by grace. It is the free gift of God so that no one makes the mistake of boasting and thinking that somehow they have earned it. It is the free gift of God, and yet it costs everything, free and cost everything, the mystery of God. It cost Jesus His life, His blood, His sacrifice on our behalf. And then when we receive that free gift by His grace, it costs us everything because He asks us to lay our lives down and name Him as Lord, not just as buddy, but as boss as Lord, as Savior, as leader. And it somehow seems appropriate to me. I mean, we're in the home stretch here. I mean, it's a a beautiful fall day outside. It's October. 2019 is almost done, and we're about in 2020, and everybody always goes 2020 vision, right? So it seems to me a good time for us to be talking about clarity of vision on what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ And I mean individually, each of us, and I also mean our life together as a community of faith. I mean, that is, the Lord's Supper is not just an individual thing, right? We receive it into our bodies individually, but it's a sign that we're a part of the whole body of Christ. And that Corinthians passage that I was reading from is the same passage where he talks about the head and the foot and the eyes and the ears and the lips. They all need each other. So it seems to me this is a a good thing for us as we wrap up this series and as we look at the year ahead. How is it 
that in this 21st century that we can best live for Jesus with this one and only life that we have. So we're going to talk about the sacrifices of a disciple. Now, it's weird because sacrifices, although it's a very honorable word, it's also a word that people don't like to talk about too much in religion. It seems like, oh, we don't want to, we push that too hard. We're asking people, you know, to, to sacrifice. Oh, I'm not sure how friendly that is for people. We, we know it's something honorable. We know it's something heroic, but we often kind of play it down. Oh, don't worry about it. No problem. It's all free, 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 free gift of God, free salvation, grace, grace. And all those things are very, very important. But the truth is, if we have come to think of sacrifice as a hard word, something not to be discussed, then I am afraid we are really not going to like today's sermon. (laughs) We are really not going to like the full message of the gospel, which touch on the sacrifices that Jesus clearly said would be necessary for the disciple to make in order to follow him. Because see, we understand this, right? Discipleship is all about following him. And one of the most important things Jesus ever said, he said, the student is not above the teacher. The disciple is not above the master. What does that mean? That means don't think that the things that Jesus passed through that somehow we are exempt from that they don't matter, that they are unimportant. They are actually quite important. And we're going to get to the three key sacrifices that disciples are called to make. Now, I'll, Nikki, don't worry about it, honey. You just, you, uh, we loved hearing you play, so we got to get your keys and say, okay, thank you, bless you. Yeah, don't sweat it. This is always, always the thing about being a song leader or an instrumentalist. When something happens and you need to take action, you got to get wander back up front. So let's talk about the three key sacrifices that the Bible says we're going to have to learn to make. And, and I want to say this, we, we, we spend a lot of time today talking about how individualized plans are important. You know, you go to the right high schools, to the right ones, you actually get to make a lot of choices about what you do, you know. If you have some learning struggle, you get an individualized education plan drawn up for you. When you go to college, I couldn't believe it, my daughter went to college, one of the first things they said was, oh, let's sit down and construct your, your educational plan. I mean, when I went there, they gave a choice. It was accept the way we do it or don't come here. That was the choice I had. Here, they said, oh, no, construct your plan. And as long as you cover these very few basics, you're good to go. Really amazing. You all know at work, if you're you're fortunate enough to have a a 401k, a 403b, anything like that, individualized. You can make your choices. There may be 25 choices that you have to pick from, but you can then make your own plan. Individualized, individualized. And we have tried to say, as we have talked about discipleship paths, that indeed it is true that while there are a lot of things that we have in common as we journey towards Jesus, as we journey with Jesus, that one of the interesting things is, of course, we're not all on the exact same stretch of the trail at the same time in the same way. 
And so discipleship paths we have talked about as loops that are, you'll walk through this path and you come back in and you keep, you keep moving forward. The idea is we keep maturing, we keep moving forward, but we have to go off and learn lessons sometimes. Sometimes it's a lesson about how grace works. Sometimes it's a lesson about obedience. Sometimes it's a lesson about some other aspect of maturity in the Christian life. Suffering is one that comes to mind. So there are a lot of different pieces, but there are also pieces that I am pretty convinced as we mature and move along the Christian life, while we may be in different places at the same times, there are very, very set themes, moments, lessons that we all learn together. Certain pieces of the journey with Christ that occur we start sharing with one another. This is the beautiful thing about small groups and community. You start thinking you've suffered like nobody else. You went through something with the loss of somebody, something in your life, and and you're sharing, and somebody says, you know, when I went through that, when I lost my mom at a young age, when I lost this thing, when I had this broken relationship, I thought I would never recover. When I experienced this joy, I mean, right now, we got all kinds of people in the church evidently enjoying going to uh, Italy. <laughs> Turn around, where's so-and-so? Oh, yeah, they're in Italy. What? Four or five couples from the church in the past couple of months. Oh, so we share those joys. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's something to enjoy, celebrate. And we get in August, all you guys run off to Myrtle Beach. Hey, we celebrate that. So you celebrate the joys. And in the Christian life, there are those moments of joy when God delivers you from a great struggle. When God gives you a blessing out of left field that you didn't see coming, when God gives you a friend or a spouse to stand by you in your moment of difficulty, oh my goodness, what a blessing. These are experiences that we all hold in common, even though we don't experience them at the exact same time. As a matter of fact, I would go so far to say is I I think some of these pieces are almost unavoidable in Christian maturity. We might use the word inevitable. We might use the word essential or necessary, but they're a part of becoming a mature Christian. Why? Because the student is not above the teacher. The disciple is not better than the master. And what Jesus learned about humility and suffering and generosity, these are all pieces that we walk through as He grows us to be more like Him. Because, folks, if you haven't figured this out, right, being like Him is what this journey is all about. So I'm going to try to keep this concise and simple today. So what I, to make it even easier, since we're beginning with S, the sacrifices of the disciple, the three sacrifices we're going to be asked to make also begin with S. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. It's just right there. It jumps right out at you. Here they go. We're going to look at self-denial. We're going to look at stewardship. And we're going to look at submission. And you see all three of those, now you know why they're all under the sacrifices of the disciple. These are not the first things you pitch to somebody when you're talking to them usually, right, about, oh, yeah, it's great to be a Christian, or it's great to be, a, I love my church. Yeah, let me talk to you about self-denial, and let me talk to you about stewardship, and let me talk to you about submission. Frankly, I mean, there are people who go to church for five years, and when you get around to talking about stewardship and you touch on money, they go nuts. 
and you think, oh, should have waited a little longer. No, no, no. These are all essential pieces of learning to walk with Jesus. And if you don't know it already, stewardship's going to be about much more than money, but we'll get there in just a minute. We're going to take them in order. Let's start with self-denial and Matthew 16, 24. If anyone wants to come after me, right, let him take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So what does self-denial mean in that setting? Well, let's get clear. I just thought, well, let's write it down. It's the renouncing of ourselves as both the authority and the focus of our lives. You said self-denial. You are not the boss anymore, and you are not the center of the universe. This is what it is when we deny ourselves and follow Christ. We have now said, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are the center of my life. You are the focus, Lord and Savior, all right? So this is why self-denial is about renouncing ourselves as both the authority and the focus of our lives. And I want to help you here. If, if you uh, are, are one of those folks who work some Sundays, you've been traveling a lot, lady, a lot lately with your work or whatever, a few weeks ago we did a message called The Greatest Battle of All Time. And it was a study of Romans chapter 7. It has to do with this struggle of not me, but what does God want? I, I can't find myself. I, I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. How do I fight that fight? That message is still up on our website, still fully accessible to you on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer. Encourage you because understand this is all a part of the same teaching, self-denial, learning to put what God wants in first place, not just what I want to do. And that's why I think it's kind of funny Maybe a better word is enlightening to look at some of the ways the world around us has tried to tell us to engage on the authority and focus of our lives. So those of you who sometimes call me the, the geek or the egghead or the professor, so this is one of those moments, okay? I'm, I'm sorry, but here we go. It is a philosophical thing, but I hope you'll follow me. So what did the Greeks say about the authority and focus of our lives? They said, be wise, know yourself. What did the Romans say? Be strong, discipline yourself. Judaism, be holy, conform yourself. Epicureanism, be sensuous, enjoy yourself. Education, be resourceful and expand yourself. Psychology, be confident and fulfill yourself. Materialism, be acquisitive acquire stuff, and please yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Asceticism says, be inferior and suppress yourself. Diplomacy, be reasonable and control yourself. Communism, be collective and secure yourself. Humanism, be capable and trust yourself. Philanthropy, be unselfish and give yourself. These are all philosophies about the authority and the focus of your life. But what did Jesus say? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross 
and follow me. He's talking to us, folks. Discipleship is based on understanding through the lens of the Bible what God is like, what we are like, and how we come into conformity with Jesus. Hear me very carefully. Be careful. Be very careful how you use this book. God's Word was not given to us to reinforce our preferences and our prejudices. The Bible is given for one reason, to change us. It is the living Word of God. It speaks to us through us, and it is about changing us. And to do that, we must then deny ourselves, follow Him as we know Him through the Word. We renounce ourselves as the authority and focus of our lives, and we put the focus on Jesus as we acknowledge Him as Lord of everything, as the decider and the focus, the authority of our lives. That's what denying yourself is all about. The second sacrifice of a disciple is the area of stewardship. Luke 14, says, and this is Jesus speaking, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, say that with me, everything, a little more conviction, everything. If you do not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. Why is that? Because Jesus gave everything. And the student is not above the teacher. The disciple is not above the master. So just to be clear here so we later are not accused of false advertising, the cost of following Jesus is everything. It is available by grace free salvation by God's work through faith alone in Christ alone, but it costs everything. You must give your life to Him. And, and, and folks, let's be very, very clear. There is a tremendous cost to not following Jesus. One of the scariest verses that Jesus spoke from Matthew 10, right? If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Wow. I mean, that, and now he wasn't trying to scare people. He's just giving an honest word. Just giving an honest word. There's a tremendous cost to not following Jesus. Yes, it costs to follow. It costs everything, but there's a tremendous cost to not following. And it was Jim Elliott, I think, who put, I uh, not think, I know it was Jim Elliott who said it, but he put the best focus, drew it into a nutshell on what it means, the rewards of following Jesus in discipleship, where yes, it costs you everything, but here's what he said. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You give up what you can't even hope to cling to to gain something you cannot lose. That is stewardship. See, it's this interesting twist. When we give up our lives, when we give them back to Him, Jesus does something that I, it's half crazy. He entrusts them back to us. 
We give our lives to him as Lord, and he says, okay, go live for me. I give you my word to guide you. I give you my spirit to live within you and to strengthen you and to comfort you and to teach you and to lead you into all truth. But you are now stewarding something that is mine. It's his life. So it's, it's like if you're, he's the owner of the building, but he's now entrusted it back to you to take care of. You're the property management group for Jesus. You are managing a life now. Your life, body and soul and spirit belongs to him, but you are entrusted with the management of it, and you will give an answer to the owner for the stewardship of that which he has entrusted to you. This is the key of stewardship. Now, I gave you the verse a minute ago, Luke 14, 33, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. But did you notice the first phrase? He said, in the same way. Now, when you see that, what do you got to do? You got to back up. You got to, what, what was he saying before that? And it's, it's a passage uh, about stewardship. It's about resource management, right? That's the way we say it today. Stewardship's not really used that much in common speak today. It's about managing the resources that have been entrusted. And and if you look at verses 28 to 32 of chapter 14 of the Gospel of Luke, which I, not very intelligently, did not previously mark, so let me turn there very quickly. Luke 14, verses 28 to 32, a passage that you will have heard, you know, many times, a very famous story where Jesus is talking about counting the cost. And what he says, which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, and it's really, he's talking about a watchtower, right? So this is all about security. This is about putting a watchtower up where we can see the bad guys coming. Because in this point in history, if you could get back into a safe building made out of stone, it really doesn't much matter what they were bringing against you. It's not like they had howitzers, right? These are guys who are coming to rob and steal. You have a safe place to go. So he says, which of you, if you're going to build a tower like that, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, right? Because if you build a watchtower, but all you get as late as the foundation, we call that standing on the ground. Yeah, don't really, to start that is, is pointless. The whole point of a watchtower is to get up high enough to be able to see them coming from far enough away that you have time to secure your position. He goes on, he says in 31, or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000, or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So the teaching of this is that we are it's important that we do preparation, that we manage, that we steward the resources we have. It gives us opportunity to strategize, to calculate the cost, to fully commit to the battle that's ahead. And if we don't, if we don't, we are setting ourselves up for ridicule, for failure, and like lambs led to the slaughter. And, and, and can I say my dear friends today, with a, with a broken heart, that, that that happens so often 
it just about kills me. It just about kills me. You know. I, w- I went to a, a funeral this week, and I, I had absolutely no disrespect to the, to the family. I love the family, love the young lady who passed. She was 38 years old. Child that grew up in our church years ago, had been gone for some time, lives across town. But what was obvious was that the investments, the decisions that were made early in life were not followed up on. And it came back in a very, very painful way. And I just don't understand my brothers and sisters. We are reading the passage. The Word of God is saying to you, count the cost. Don't, don't think. And here's one of the things I would say in response to Jonathan, brother, that you're, you're a reminder to us that, that the phase from 18 to 25 or 29 is one of the toughest phases in life to help people stay focused on, on something bigger than themselves because the pressures are so tremendous. I got to get out of school. I got to pay my debts. I got to get a job. I'm trying to settle down in my relationships. I got to find a place to live. I want to break away from mom and dad. All those kinds of things are going on. And, 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 and you think, well, so I don't have time for church. No, dear friends. It, it is the time you most need to hang close to God and a church family that loves you. Because if you don't, you find yourself one day when you're 38 years old or 48 years old or 58 years old, and you realize you are trying to face a struggle, a battle for your life, and the tower's not been built because you stopped with the foundation, but you didn't count the cost and see the tower built. I beg of you, stewardship. Nothing breaks my heart more than people who, who dabble with Jesus. Little religion here. Oh, yeah, I grew up. I like to go back for Christmas and Easter. Listen, we, always, we want everybody to be welcome here on Christmas and Easter. That is not my point. My point to you, we're talking about discipleship. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to know it's more than coming a Sunday here, a Sunday there, a dollar here, a dollar there, or a little bit of my life here, a two-minute prayer here. And then when the storm comes, when the army comes against you with 20,000, when you need to be able to see the, the robbers and thieves come, you don't ha- you're not prepared. There's no security. There's no safety because we didn't prepare. So now we become victims instead of victors. And God wants you to be a victor. We are more than conquerors through Christ. To do that in discipleship, we have to manage our opportunities, our learning, our growth, our discipleship, our lives, our spiritual and material resources, all that. Stewardship, manage it well. So remember this part, stewardship and ownership are two different things. You with me? Stewardship, ownership, two different things. God has given us a lot of blessings. Can I get an amen? God has given us a lot of blessings. Here, that's the great news. Here's the bad news. They are not yours to keep. They're, they're ours to share. It's our privilege. He's entrusted us with so many blessings, but we must manage them, we must use them well, and we must, we must answer for that. And, and I don't have a lot of time to elaborate these today, but I want to mention three areas for you to think about. 
Three areas that all of us, I'm convinced, will answer for one day. So we got to start thinking about it sooner rather than later. First of all, it's the stewardship of ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, one, one of the great verses, it talks about you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. It is a great phrase to get into your head. I am not my own. You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Jesus paid, what was it? Oh yeah, everything. Everything for you. So, the stewardship of ourselves, a lot we could say about that. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to work on that. Second one, the stewardship of our possessions. Our possessions. And when I talk about our possessions, I mean everything that God allows to come into our lives. Our educational opportunities, our work opportunities, our families, our material goods. The things that God allows to come into our lives but are not ours to keep. They are simply ours to use wisely. Remember Luke 16, 13. We cannot serve two masters. So when you live for Jesus, everything else become subservient to that. How do I steward what God has entrusted to me? What do I need to understand about giving, about generosity, about blessing others? The stewardship of our possessions. And the third area that we have got to resolve, folks, and this is individually as well as as a group together, is the stewardship of the gospel itself. The stewardship of the gospel message. It's crazy, I know. You would think that something, I don't want the football, right? I don't want the nuclear codes. I don't want that burden. I don't want that responsibility. What on earth was Jesus thinking when he gave me and you the responsibility for the gospel? I don't know. I just know that he did. Because in 1 Corinthians 4 1, it says that we are stewards of the mystery of God. What is the mystery of God? I'll tell you what it is for me. How could God love me? How could God give his life for me? How could God give that to me freely when I don't deserve it and can't earn it? How could God love me so much beyond that that he gave me other gifts and opportunities? This is the mystery of God. It is the gospel. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Why does God give up his beautiful son for my ugly, sin-scarred soul? I don't know. It's a mystery. Why does he do it as an act of grace instead of just giving us a bunch of boxes to check off? Why is it a free gift of God? Why is this message for any and all who would believe and not just the beautiful people of this world? I don't know, but it's the gospel. It's the mystery of God, the musterion, as they say in Greek, you know, the, the mystery of God. And he has entrusted it to you and to me. So no, you don't have to be able to answer every question when you sit beside a friend at a funeral home and they're mourning the loss of somebody important to them. Why? And, and your answer's got to be, I don't know all the whys. But I know the mystery of God is that he loves us and it's a free gift to extend that love to us and he loves you even in your darkest hour because he's walked a similar road of sacrifice and loss. The stewardship of the gospel. That's, we were responsible for stewardship. Last S for today, the last sacrifice. Oh, it's a big one. Submission. Submission. Is there a more misunderstood 
controversial word in the English language these days in the word submission. I have to tell you, I've, I've traveled all over this country and, and around the world, and I, in America, this is not a popular word. It's not a popular idea. And part of the resistance is absolutely legitimate, right? Because oftentimes when you talk about submission and people push back, it's because it's tied to an inappropriate, non-biblical attempt to use submission as some type of sledgehammer whose purpose it was or is to keep women in their place in a male-dominated culture that wanted to extend that same distorted, distorted understanding of relationships from the home, into the business place, into society, into, into the political, wherever you want to go. It's just a sledgehammer to keep people in their place. And I mentioned women, but folks, we all understand, don't we? Please, if a church this diverse doesn't get it, who is ever going to get it? That it extends so far beyond gender issues. The power struggles of dominance and submission have played out in race relations, immigration, white supremacy, socioeconomic haves and have-nots. I mean, just pick a place. And so when submission is, is kind of put forward like that, it's tough. When you talk, talk about we need to learn to submit, it's a tough sell. And frankly, it probably should be. But here's the crazy thing. In regards to Christianity, in regards to your faith, listen to me, brothers and sisters, you cannot get anywhere without submission. The road to Jesus is a road of submission. The Bible clearly teaches through the life the mission, the ministry of Jesus, and remember, the student's not above the teacher, the disciple's not above the master. All of his life, ministry, and mission were built on submission. Three passages just to jot down. Philippians 2.8, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Okay? He humbled himself. He submitted voluntarily. That's what the word humble means, a voluntary submission. He was not shamed into doing it. He didn't do it because he was guilty of something or that he felt bad for us. He humbled himself and submitted himself. That's the first verse. Another verse to remind you about the same thing, Luke twenty-two forty-two. in the garden, Jesus praying. What did he say? The famous words, not my will, but thine be done to the Father. That's submission. One other verse, John 10:8. Beautiful, powerful verse. No one takes my life, I lay it down. That's submission. That's a voluntary submitting of his life. A willing sacrifice, what we observed earlier today, a willing sacrifice for us. Humbly doing that, that's what submission is. And brothers and sisters, I have to tell you, if you're on a discipleship pathway, these sacrifices, self-denial, stewardship, submission, if they have not been a part of your journey to this point, then get ready because it is impossible to mature as a Christian without walking on these pathways. It is not possible. These are the sacrifices that are part and parcel 
of being a disciple of Jesus. So here's our conclusion for today. Over the past weeks, we've tried to talk about some of the most common paths that we as Christ followers walk down. We've talked about the heart of a disciple and the priority of a disciple in loving Jesus. We've, we've talked about all those things, the truth source for a disciple. We, we've, we've tried to, to give you some sense of the things that we walk. But listen, in trying to bring that into modern language, in trying to make it accessible to everybody, please don't think for a minute that we are trying to water down the demands of the gospel or the cost of discipleship. The sacrifices of a disciple are absolutely essential and vital. And my prayer for you today is that you will embrace the truth of God through Scripture, that you, everyone in here, will come to that moment of confrontation and decision with the grace of God Himself. And I I want everybody here to know Jesus, yes, 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 yes. I want you to know Jesus But you have to understand, he's asking for a commitment from you. I lay down my life for you. Come, lay your life down. 